to this special time of thanksgiving, a time for us to give thanks and, and, uh, and share the bounty of, of God that God has given to us. We welcome our guests, especially today. You're very important to us. And as Christ has welcomed all at, at his table of fellowship, we welcome you at our table of fellowship and hope that you will feel very much at home with us today. Uh, just a little part of the uh, little indication about the service, as you may notice, things are a little bit different today. Do you feel like you're in a dinner theater or something like that this morning? Uh, this is on purpose. We are uh, sharing times around the table but because after our worship time, we're going to be having brunch together, as we've announced before, and also something a little different in the uh, worship service as well. I know that some churches do this by uh, routinely, but we don't normally do this. We'll be taking two offerings <laughs> today. We will be taking our regular offering uh, that we'll, we'll take as at the first part of the service or in the middle of the service, but then... Um, at the end of the service, we'll be taking an offering that's designated specifically for our capital campaign. And you have uh, envelopes there in front of you that uh, will help us do that. And we'll inform you a little more about how to do that a little later on in the service, towards the end of the service. But just to give you a little heads up, we will be taking two offerings today, one for our regular budget and one a special offering for our capital campaign. A few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. Uh, first of all, our harvest challenge. Uh, the women uh, have uh, challenged the men to another contest this year to bring items in for the Henderson Christian Outreach. And last week, men, you, um, we, we kind of got behind. The women kind of ju jumped on it and got ahead of us last week. And, um, well... There they are over there again. We were supposed to bring peanut butter and toothpaste 
today. Who's coming up with these combinations? <laughs> That's what they need. Okay. Peanut butter and toothpaste. Well, it looks like the women have brought a lot of peanut butter and toothpaste, and, when, and the men have brought some. <laughs> there he goes again. <laughs> Let's see. I believe that today's totals are the men have brought in 49 and the women 103. And uh, so that's good. That's wonderful. Uh, the two-week total, uh, men, 70, which is less than the women brought today. And the women, 204. So, men, we need to get on this. We need to get on this. All right. We're not going to lie down, okay? We've got two more weeks to go. And next week, what we need to bring are macaroni and cheese and shampoo. (laughs) You know, there ought to be some kind of connection here, but whatever. Macaroni and cheese and shampoo for next week. Bring it all in. Pam? I don't know if there's a plan or not. I I think... I think what it is, is that the men have not had time to plan very much at this point. So, but just wait. We got two more weeks to go. Uh, Another announcement I'd like to call to your attention, uh, our Thanksgiving service, our community-wide Thanksgiving service. We have a a service every Thanksgiving um, during uh, the week of Thanksgiving, an ecumenical service where the churches of of Henderson come together to share thanks Thanks together. And we are hosting that service this year at uh, on Tuesday and uh, at 630. And we would love for you to come and be a part of that. Uh, Father Larry McBride will be bringing the message. He is the new pastor at Holy Name Catholic Church, and he'll be bringing the message and other ministers in town will be participating in this. So please come on Tuesday at 630 here at Community Baptist. And of course, one other thing. Uh, Today, when we finish the service, we are not done. We have some other things going on today, and we hope that you will be a part of all of what we have going on today. Uh, And most especially, we are having a Kate Kate Campbell concert here at Community Baptist at 5 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, This is wonderful, folks. This is a great coup for us to get her here it's a wonderful privilege, and I am thankful that we have this, we, we are, are able to do this. So please come today at 5 o'clock. Um, a couple of things related to that. First of all, after the service and after we've finished eating, if some of you could hang around, we need to reconfigure our room for the concert. We're going to set her up in the round, and so we need to move the tables and set up chairs and the, and the stage area for Kate uh, today. And also, um, we're expecting to have a lot of visitors here, a lot of guests, and uh, we want to reserve as many places out here for them as possible. So we have asked Aqua City if we can park in their parking space. So if you're able to park in, in Aqua City, you can park there, and we will have a shuttle running back and forth. I think uh, um, our van, we're, we're going to be having our van running back and forth to take people, bring people here. So if you're able to park up there, that would be wonderful. Now, now we, we need some parking up here to let people know that they're in the right place. 
Uh, so, you know, we'll have some cars here. And especially if you're disabled and, and can't walk or can't get into the van very easily, uh, please park here in our spaces available to you. Uh, but for the others, if you could park at Aqua City, we would appreciate that. Wow, we're busy, aren't we? But you know what? I am thankful. I am thankful for so much. I'm thankful for you. And I'm grateful to be a part of this church um, where so much good happens, with so much love is, is shared with one another. And I'm thankful for each of you. And I think that probably most of you are thankful for each other as well. And so I'm going to ask you today to, um, to express your thanksgiving to each other. Stand and greet each other and just tell each other, I'm thankful for you today. Would you please join me in our uh, responsive reading this morning that, that is found on your worship bulletin? Would you join me as we, as we read together, give thanks to God? Enter God's gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever. Gracious God, we give you thanks for your countless gifts to us, for the earth and the bounty of creation, for life and health, for home and harvest, for work and rest. 
We give you thanks for family and friends, for teachers and mentors, for children and parents, for those who enrich our lives with their presence, and for those whose personal needs and struggles call us to service. Now thank you all, with heart and hands and voices. We give you thanks for this church, for its leaders and teachers, for all those who are a part of this community of believers, for fellowship, friendship, and faith, for the sacred and the simple, the silence and song. Now thank you all, our God, with heart and hands and voices. May we live now and always as thankful people. Let us give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. Let us pray together. God, how do we begin to say thank you this Sunday before Thanksgiving? All that we have and all that we are have come by your hand. The the beauty of the sunrise, the company of loving family and good friends, the food at our table, all are gifts of your grace and love. How do we begin to say thank you for putting up with us generation after generation, especially when we keep stepping into the center of our own lives, thinking that it's all about me and messing things up? How do we begin to say thank you for never giving up on us, for staying faithful to us, even when we are not always faithful to you? How do we begin to say thank you for sending us Jesus, who loves us and heals us, who taught us by living it in front of us, who willingly sacrificed his own life so we could reclaim our own? How do we say thank you, oh God? I don't know completely, but my heart echoes the words of Joshua. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. May it be pleasing in your sight. In the name of the one from whom all blessings flow, Jesus Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. We started out as two, we've gone to four. We're going to do this twice, so you find a place to jump in, go ahead. Let the poor say I am rich. 
God's people said. Today's scripture reading is from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 7 through 18. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with flowing streams with springs and underground waters welling up in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land where you may eat bread without scarcity, where you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and from whose hills you may mine copper. You shall eat your fill and bless the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. Take care that you do not forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commandments his ordinances, and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. When you have eaten your fill and have built fine houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks have multiplied and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then do not exalt yourself, forgetting the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness, an arid wasteland with poisonous snakes and scorpions. He made water flow for you from flint rock and fed you in the wilderness with manna that your ancestors do not know, to humble you and to test you, and in the end to do you good. Do not say to yourself, My power and the might of my own hand have gotten me this wealth. But remember, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth so that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your ancestors so he's doing today.
difícil. Let us pray together. Oh God, we have lifted up to you a hymn of grateful praise. And we are indeed a grateful people. For you have touched our lives and you have ministered unto us. And you have blessed us beyond measure. And we are your grateful children. But we not only lift up to you songs of praise. We bring to to you our gifts of thanksgiving. And we pray for your blessings upon each of them. As we express our gratitude to you, O God, for loving us. Amen.
Good morning. Today I was asked to speak about a testimony from Upward. So naturally I sat down and wrote a story. Uh, this is a story that I've known. Let's rewind one season to last year. Now school starts just like it always does. And naturally the Upward brochure comes home. Now normally this wouldn't be a big deal. He's been doing Upward for years. His kids been playing ball. But this year was different. This year he had separated from his wife. This year they were in the middle of a divorce. It was a difficult time for them. But he didn't want it to change the normal scheme of things that his children had been doing. So he went ahead and signed them up anyway. Now divorce is a nightmarish thing. It causes a person to reevaluate everything they are. Everything they were. Everything they could be. And wonder what happened. Now, during all of this emotional torment, Upward started. Now, in normal years, he would volunteer for Upward and he would go ahead and coach. And since he didn't want anything to change, he went ahead and did it again. Broken and shattered, he'd come in to this building for practice. Now, of course, he'd put a mask on before he came in here because he wouldn't want any of that torment to touch the children he was coaching. Just like in every other practice, he'd go back there for devotion with the children. Now, this person, he was never a religious person. He was not raised in a household that went to church. He'd probably come to church maybe five times in his, in his entire life for service. Somehow, while he's sitting in his devotion, he had always heard the word. He'd always heard it said. He'd always listened to the way it was spoken to the children. This year he listened. This year it changed. Suddenly, he's in there, and he's praying, and he's praying for strength. He's praying for guidance. He's praying for the wisdom he needs to make it through the day, and he was touched. Pretty soon, he found that as the season went on, the only thing that made it through the week was coming in here for this practice. Sitting in that devotion calmed him, made it through the week. As broken as he was, he could find peace here. He could find the strength he needed. His faith continued to grow. In the middle of all his chaos, this got him through. Now, as the season went on, it came to an end, just like it always does. He knew by the end of the season that he would be all right. He had found God. He knew where he needed to go. As he sat at the awards ceremony, he knew it was going to be okay. He had found what he needed. And as the ceremony ended, and just like so many other ceremonies, Pastor Tim stands up there and he says, If Jesus has spoken to you in any way, fill out that card. He reached over, and for the first time in his life, he asked Jesus to come into his life. He filled out the card. Now, got a small bit of a confession to make. This isn't a story just about any old person. This is my story. It's what happened to me. My boys. And that's what Upward does. Upward touches people. You may not know it. You may not see it. But it touches people. I'll even show you. If any of you have been here 
on a game day. You've seen that moment where a child shouldn't ever make a basket, has no rights, makes that shot. Stand up. If you've been in this building on a Saturday and you've heard this, the word and you've seen people be touched, you've seen parents come in here and suddenly their lives have changed, stand up. If you've ever heard a story about Upward, even the one I just told, that reaches through and touches you, stand up. Now here's the deal. All of us here have been touched by Upward, yeah? There are a countless number of people outside of here that we don't even know who feel exactly the way you do right now. That's what Upward does. It gives us the chance to touch all of these people that we will never know. And we change their lives. And for that, I give thanks to Upward. Thank you. Amen. I'm thankful for my church family and all the love that they give to us. I am thankful for my family. Hi, I'm Nathaniel Haas, and I'm thankful for these donuts. I'm thankful for my family and my church family. I'm thankful for playing outside with my mommy and daddy and my sister. I'm thankful for Jesus. Hey, Joe, what are you thankful for? I am thankful for my friends and family and that I'm able to go to church. Oh, what are you thankful for, Nita? I got my daddy and mommy. I'm thankful for my friends and family and all they do for me. Hey, Hunter. What? Can you sh- how you doing? Good. Can you tell me what you're thankful for? For my daddy and my mom. Anything else? For my brother. Are you trying to take a picture?
I know my Lord is my King, and I give Him praise. All children, praise Him. Lift your voices, sing out with me, praise His name. Give God glory. Sing out, children. Lift your voices. Praise Him. Praise Him. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Come on, children. Praise the Lord. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son. Give him glory. Give him glory. Great and mighty things he has done. Yes, he has done. Great and mighty, Do you think that great and mighty is our Lord? Amen. Amen. How wonderful that is. We have we have worshiped God together today, and I am thankful for that. Uh, Debbie Farmer, in her book titled Don't Put Lipstick on the Cat, which is a great title for a book. She shares a wonderful essay, which she calls What a Mother is Thankful for. In this essay, she lists some of the things that a mother learns to be thankful for after she has children. So I want to read a few of these things for you this morning. You may be able to uh, uh, relate to some of these if you are a parent. Before children, I was thankful to have been born in the United States of America, the most powerful free democracy in the world. After children... I am thankful for Velcro tennis shoes because not only do they save time, but now I can hear the sound of my son taking off his shoes, which gives me a three second head start to activate the safety locks on the rear windows of the car right before he throws them out of the window and into the freeway. Before children, I was thankful for fresh organic vegetables After children, I'm thankful for microwavable macaroni and cheese, which we will bring next week for the uh, uh, Christian outreach. Um, And she goes on to say, I'm thankful for microwavable macaroni and cheese, without which my children would be surviving on about three bites of cereal and their own spit. Before children, I was thankful for holistic medicine and, and natural herbs. 
After children, I am thankful for pediatric cough syrup guaranteed to cause drowsiness in children. Before children, I was thankful for a warm, cozy home to share with my loved ones. After children, I am thankful for a lock on the bathroom door. Before children, I was thankful for my wonderful family. And after children, I am thankful for my wonderful family. You know, we are thankful for so many things, aren't we? And especially at this time of the year when we are preparing to celebrate Thanksgiving Day in just a few days. Well, the Hebrew people also had a lot to be thankful for. They had spent about 40 years wandering around in the desert after escaping their slavery in Egypt. And and now at the time of our scripture for this morning, they are standing on the border of the land that God had promised them. By this time, Moses is an old man. He's about to die. He will not be making this final leg of the journey with them. And so he gives them some instructions for how they should deal with this new phase of their existence. And I think that these instructions could be very valuable for all of us as well. Listen as I read a portion of what Moses said to his people. He said, the Lord, your God, is bringing you into a good land. A land with brooks and streams and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills. A land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey. A land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. Then he says, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land that he has given to you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe God's commandments, God's laws and God's decrees. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increases and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget The Lord, your God. Doesn't that sound like it could be written for us today? When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord, your God, for the good land that God has given to you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord, your God. God has given so much to us, including this wonderful building that is dedicated to the work of God in this community that enables us to do so much good here, as we saw just a moment ago with through this upward program and many other things that we do here at Community Baptist Church. But I wonder, do we sometimes take it all and and all of our blessings for granted? One of Rudyard Kipling's most famous poems was composed for the Diamond Jubilee of Queen Victoria in 1897. It was was titled Recessional, and the poem, on the one hand, expresses pride in the British Empire, but on the other hand, it expresses an underlying sadness that the empire might go the way of all empires. And indeed, nothing is sure. Each of the verses of this poem ends with this famous refrain that is evidently drawn from our lesson In Deuteronomy, it says, Lord God of hosts, 
be with us yet, lest we forget, lest we forget. You know, it's easy for us to forget, isn't it? It's easy to, for us to take for granted the blessings that are ours. And even worse, it's, it's easy to believe that we somehow deserve these blessings and that we somehow are more virtuous and more enterprising and more Christian than other nations or other people and, and that God somehow loves us more. But God's not limited to that. God's not limited to the places where we would like for him to be. God is not limited to loving only the people that we love. God is much bigger than that. Tony Campolo tells about running a cross-country race when he was in college. And and after the race, the winner announced to the reporters that he would like to, to thank God for letting him win that race. Well, one of Tony's teammates looked at Tony and said, Gosh, Tony, what does God have against us? Well, of course, God didn't have anything against them. And it's all right to thank God for your blessings. But, folks, it's another thing altogether if you think that God has somehow picked you out to receive an extra dose of blessings just because you think you're somehow special. That's a dangerous place to be. For you see, God loves all of us. Every one of us. God loves all of us just the same, and we dare not take our blessings for granted. And I believe that every generation needs to be reminded of this. Regardless of how wealthy or how powerful we may become, we dare not forget the one who has brought us to this place and this time in our lives. Lord God of hosts, be with us yet. Lest we forget. Lest we forget. At this point, I'm going to take a little break from my sermon. Doing things a little different today. I'm going to take a little break from my sermon to allow you to hear from someone else. As Moses told the people of Israel to remember what God has done for them, I think it's also important for us to remember what God has done for us. And so I've asked Bob Crafton to come and to talk to us for a few minutes about the beginnings of our church and how God has blessed us and used us and how God has brought us to where we are today and how thankful we are for God's work in our church. Bob. Thank you very much. Just as a footnote, guys, they're counting containers over there, so figure it out, okay? <laughs> How many of you here were, <clears throat> were in the initial group in 1994 that uh, met in the homes of one of its members? Okay, that, that's almost all of us. So uh, uh, let me take you on a little timeline that uh, most of you have heard the story, but I'm going to try to, to bring it home to you again. Uh, in 1994, <clears throat> I think, and Jake will correct me if I get dates wrong, but uh, I think it was in... Uh, Early in 1994, some of us, some of you that raised your hands, became 
uh, disillusioned. In the, many people ask us, well, where did you come from? Why did you leave? Why did you do this? Became uh, <clears throat> disillusioned that the church, our beloved church that we were at, and we decided uh, without, don't have to go into it, but we decided that we couldn't go on. We could not worship uh, under the leadership that was in that church. These were the times that the our beloved Southern Baptist Convention was having a lot of turmoil in the 80s and 90s, I guess. And uh, uh, we identified more with the uh, Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, which was uh, a satellite, I guess you would say, of the Southern Baptist Convention that was more moderate. And, and uh, we, f- we found that we th- our thinking was a lot like theirs. <clears throat> we did not think that it was satanic to have women deacons. And uh, that was a, they went against the, the grain <laughs> of life. And, and pardon me because I'm talking about myself. But that went against the grain of a lot of old fat men who were making all the decisions. So I want to take you back to 1994. We met around in several homes and had Bible studies. Uh, we, we, we took a trip, you remember, to Third Baptist in Owensboro where uh, Dwight Moody was the pastor. Got a lot of comfort, a lot of encouragement. And uh, kept meeting, and finally, we landed in the um, Green Valley Baptist Association building out on West 60. Dr. Huff was the uh, director then, and they were very kind to us. They allowed us to meet. They allowed us to use our building free. And uh, they were... They didn't have to be, but they were very kind to us. That is the association that most Southern Baptist churches in this area belong to. We do not. Uh, And that building was very fertile to us. It was in that building that we uh, grew to 52, I believe, 50-ish. We uh, uh, constituted as a church in that building. Uh, That was in... uh, when was that, Jika? That was in... Okay. We constituted as a church. We uh, also in that building called John Dunaway to be our pastor. And uh, uh, in that process, he, he put us in contact with Dr. David Nelson and Joe, who came to, uh, to be with us uh, till John got here. And they were very encouraging. They uh, they really made us feel like that we were doing okay. Okay? So David Nelson was very instrumental in this church. I think Joe has passed on, but I think Dr. Nelson is still alive. Am I right? And we had such people there as uh, Carolyn Hale, you may remember, uh, uh, Jim Westmoreland was there, and several other people came to speak to us that were consistent with our sort of rebellious thought pattern at that time. Uh, We, as I said, we called Dr. Dunaway, and then I think in 1995, 
we moved to Mike's clothing store, home of the leisure suit. How many of you know what a leisure suit is? <laughs> we looked for them in the basement over there. We couldn't find any. Mike Reynolds invented the leisure suit. I have one at home. Uh, we stayed there until uh, John Dunaway led us there, and it was right in that time that we really felt the wind behind our sails. We uh, had a potluck supper and immediately formed a building committee, and here we are. <laughs> we uh, The rent over there was $1,300 a month. I don't know if you remember that or not, but that sounds pretty good right now, doesn't it? <clears throat> Uh, so that's pretty much our trail to get here. We, uh, uh, we've been here since that time. We moved in here in, I guess, of January 97. And, uh, well, actually, we moved in December of 96. If you remember, the floor was still concrete, and we had a Christmas tree over here, and, and uh, we uh, have been here ever since. So that's, that's sort of our trail. That's, that's why we began. That's how we began. Uh, it was at uh, Max that uh, Dr. John had one of his Pentecostal moments. He had the service that where all 60 or so members joined at one time. So he, he likes to talk about that uh, as well as a lot of other things. But he was, he was very instrumental. We visited many banks, and uh, this is the result of that. We're still... And that's why we're here. We, uh, unfortunately, it takes money to, to, uh, to operate, and it takes money to pay for, for a building. So that's why we're here. Uh, as far as a vision, our vision back then was to grow a church and, uh, and to build a family life center. I think we did that. Now, I think on the board, I think this is our mission statement. And I think we need to shift our vision now to the implementation of this uh, mission statement. And let's, I want us to all read that together. And as we do, uh, think about what it says, okay? Let's read it together. The church body will carry out the Great Commission through global missions in which all people can participate. We'll embrace all Christians who choose to help build God's kingdom by focusing on our common interests as Christians rather than trying to pursue areas that lead to division and separation within the body. We trust God's people with the gospel and encourage participation in the ministries by all lay members. We proclaim the good news of God's redeeming love to the world Strive to be work with a spirit of love and compassion. That is your new vision. Uh, and I say to you, read it again. Read it every day. For if we are able to put legs on this mission statement, then we will fulfill the vision that I have and hopefully you have for us now. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. So let us remember the Lord our God, as Moses has bid us to do. 
And let us give thanks for God's blessings in our lives and in our church. The next thing that I want us to consider this morning is this. We are a prosperous people. Now, I know that we may feel the pinch because of the uncertain economy that we live in. And, and I know that the, the value of many of our homes have plummeted over the past couple of years. But, you know, it's all relative. We are still among the most prosperous people on the earth. Many of us live in homes that are twice the size of the homes that our parents lived in or more. We drive cars that cost us as much as our parents' first homes. So you see, we are a prosperous people, and, and we need to be reminded of that from time to time. Among some of the families, uh, some families, there is a, a Thanksgiving tradition that I'd like to share with you this morning. On this festive occasion, as families uh, gather around the table for their, their Thanksgiving feast, these families will set out five kernels of dried corn, and you have uh, at your place in the little cup there five kernels of dried corn. Um, and around the Thanksgiving table, in this tradition, family members will take each piece of corn one at a time and place it in front of them and tell the others at the table five things that they have to be thankful for. Now, you know where this custom came from. When the pilgrims landed at Plymouth, they were hardly prepared for what lay ahead of them. The voyage itself had been harsh, and, and this was par for the course. Advertisements for any transatlantic voyage at that time suggested that before you left, you needed to write out your will. Nevertheless, the pilgrims made it to the New World. However, they had been blown way off course. Instead of landing in Virginia, where they had intended to go, they landed in Massachusetts, and winter was coming. They were anything but prepared. By spring, over half of their community was dead. During January and February, it was not unusual to have two or three deaths per day. And it is said that during the worst of it all, each person had but five kernels of corn to eat in a day. Well, you and I have a lot more than five kernels of corn, don't we? We don't know what real deprivation is. And, and so we have a lot to be thankful for. For you see, we are indeed a prosperous people. So I'm going to take another break from my sermon today to ask you to participate in this next phase of worship. You have your kernels of corn in front of you to remind you of the things that you are thankful for. So I want you to do a little exercise now to turn to the others at your table and tell the people at your table some things that you are thankful for today and then offer a brief prayer of thanksgiving together. Would you do that?
Some may be continuing to uh, enumerate the things that you are thankful for, but if you have not had your time of, uh, of prayer around your table, I'd ask you to do that now so we could um, um, move along. Let's have our prayer time just around your table that somebody would lead in a prayer. Now that we have thanked God for the blessings that we have, we also need to recognize that material things rarely draw a person closer to God. In fact, material possessions have a tendency to cause us to forget our dependence upon God. And Moses knew this. That's why he gave his people these instructions that we read a few moments ago. To remember God's blessings, especially when they found themselves prosperous. Dr. Donald Tuttle shares a fascinating statistic. He points out that in the year 1900, just a little more than a century ago, 80% of all Christians in the world lived in Europe, Canada, or the United States. But today, 67% of the world's Christians live in Asia, Africa, and Latin America, the so-called third world. And it's wonderful that people in Africa are becoming Christians at a, a, a rate faster than their population growth. And it's a joy to note that in South Korea, there are more Christians per capita than any other country in the world. And it's great that in Jamaica that are more that there are more churches per square mile than anywhere else on earth. But the tragedy is that in places like this, while churches serving the poor 
and the oppressed have grown and grown and grown. The church in the West, the most affluent countries in the world, have continued to decline in its membership and in its social relevance. Dr. Tuttle says that where the poor, hungry, grieving and despised depend upon God, the church is alive and well. But where the rich, full, laughing and well-respected dwell, the church is on life support. Lord God of hosts, be with us yet, lest we forget, lest we forget. My friends, material well-being rarely draws a person closer to God. And so I think the greatest need that each of us has on this Thanksgiving week is to rekindle our sense of dependence upon God. You see, when people forget their need for God, they also lose their sense of joy and their sense of, of purpose. That's why we have Thanksgiving, so that we can reflect on what our blessings mean to us and, and to remind ourselves of how much we owe to our Creator. On the verge of entering the promised land, Moses had one word to say to his people, and that is remember. Remember God. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the, the good land that he has given to you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. Motivational speaker Cabot Robert once told about attending a, a convention in Boston many years ago. And it seems that Cabot was being kicked out of his hotel after two days. He, he thought that he had a three-day reservation, but there was a mess up somewhere and they didn't have his reservation for the final day. And he was not in the best of moods as he was having to leave, leave the convention a day early. And as he stood in the elevator on his way to the lobby, the elevator stopped on the seventh floor, but nothing happened. Nobody got in and this irritated him. He was in a hurry to catch his plane. And, and so he said to whoever it was that had pushed the button, come on in. But nothing happened. And so again, he said, come on in. Let's get the show on the road. But still nothing happened. And finally, in a loud voice, he said, come on in. Let's go. I'll be late. And at that moment, a, a fine looking gentleman with a white cane, completely blind, stepped into the elevator, cautiously feeling his way along. Robert felt awful to think that he had been so rude to this visually impaired gentleman. And he, he felt that he had to say something. And so he cleared his throat and he said, how are you today? And this visually impaired gentleman smiled and he said, I'm grateful, my friend. I'm grateful. Robert said that he couldn't say a thing after that. He was too choked up. And any impatience or worry that he had before simply shriveled, shriveled up into nothing. And, and here's what Cabot Roberts said about that experience. He said, here was a man blessing the darkness while I was cursing the light. I couldn't have cared less whether I caught that plane or not. I found myself that night in my prayers asking that someday I might be able to see as well as that man. Sometimes we forget, don't we? Sometimes we forget. And so I'm calling upon all of us here today to remember. Remember the Lord God who 
brought us together as a people and who gave his son in our behalf and has given us so many opportunities for life and for health and for happiness. Remember, the Lord God of hosts be with us yet, lest we forget, lest we forget. Our invitation today is a bit different from what we normally do. As you, most of you know, we have been involved in, for a month or so in our capital campaign to pay down the debt that we have on this building. At present, we have a little more than $10,000 to put towards that debt. And I, but I hope that we'll have much more before we leave here today. Because our invitation is for you to make an offering of thanksgiving to our capital campaign fund. It's a way for each of us here today in a tangible way to remember what God has done for you and for you to say thank you to God. And to talk to you about that, I've asked our chair of deacons, Nora Hobson, to come and to make that appeal. Nora.